Coast and throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. Just another week here, bringing you in on this Friday afternoon, Friday night there over in Ireland. My buddy Ronan, man, good to see you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm just getting getting through another week of lockdown, but uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling feeling fresh, ready to talk some NBA. Yeah, we're we're just barely awake here, but we're we're excited. You'll. You'll hear it in my voice when we, when we get going. I'm having my first cup of coffee all day. I, I didn't think I could do it. But uh, but why don't, why don't we go with something exciting? Wait, wake me up first. Uh, you want to talk about your sons. You've been dying to talk about your sons. So let's hear it. You're, you're, you're still riding high on the, on the sons who did take a little, little bit of a tough beating against uh, the Clippers. But how are you feeling about them right now? As the season's starting to wane down, um, Still, still sounds like you're pretty confident in them as being uh, legitimate contenders right now. Yeah, I think I'm liking what I'm seeing, and I'm actually I'm seeing improvements, which is kind of a big thing as the season's progressing. I'm not quite on Charles Barkley level, thinking that Chris Paul needs to be MVP, but uh, <laughs> uh, outside of that, I, I am I'm, I'm liking the way that they've continued to develop as the season's going on. They've got their kind of fringe players are continuing to step up the likes of Bridges and Crowder and Sarich and those guys and they're really coming together around their, their obviously their star guys in uh, in Paul Booker and uh, in some cases Aiton who I'm also seeing some some good signs out of as well but still a long way to go in his development but they're 36 and 15 they got the second best record in, in the league they've won 28 of their last 35 games and I know it came came to a halt against the uh, the informed Clippers there last night, but they're in a rich vein of form, and I think I can see this continuing on for the rest of the year. I guess my question is, and this is, and we talked about this a couple of days ago. Just we have the clear identity of of teams that are going to be highly seeded. You know, you have the Suns, you, and I, I think we're we're going to feel pretty confidently also about Utah. Still feeling confident about them. Um, now a little bit of questions still about the Trailblazers, but they've they've definitely made strides to cement themselves as a top team in the West, outside of obviously the the LA uh, big LA teams. But in terms of ex- playoff experience, I guess I'm wondering how much that's going to play into how far they get. I mean, for for a fantastic regular season team um, with all the young development that they've had. Um, is their youth going to ultimately be a big issue when it comes to a seven-game series? 
Yeah, I think that's that's the biggest worry I have about the about this Phoenix team. It's like obviously we have we have nothing really to go off. This is a a Suns as a franchise. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2010, 2009, around that around that sort of spec. Uh, they're two of their main stars in Booker and Aiton have zero playoff experience. So you kind of you, you want to be able to measure off of the impressive um, regular season that they've had. But at the end of the day, it's an old cliche, but it's true. You, you really get to see what level teams are actually at come playoff time. And that's just, it's, it's kind of just a wait and see moment really with Phoenix. They've got a lot of talent and they're having a great year, but it could also easily come crashing down when they go up against a team over seven games. Yeah. And, you know, Chris Paul is going to, to be a huge factor there. Um, he's proven how much better he's can make this team just with his presence alone. Um, I mean, in, in terms of winning percentage before Chris Paul was there, they're at 46% right now. They're at 72%. We'll see how much better that they can get as a, as a team in the playoffs. But if, if Chris Paul's there, I have pretty good faith in it. I mean, you can't also discount the experience of Jay Crowder. Um, even Sarge has a few, few series under his belt. So there's, they're not completely devoid of any experience. Um, I think, I mean, the biggest thing for me is going to be DeAndre Ayton. How is his defense going to look in the playoffs? He's, he's still shown moments where he can be, he can be a rim protector, but when it comes to the playoffs where they're constantly playing matchups and they're constantly looking for switches and they're going to consistently go after your weakest link on defense. Um, if Aiton ends up being a liability there, it'll be really interesting to see what they try to do rotation wise. Yeah, I think that's, that's uh, the big Aiton is still the question mark around this team. I think obviously Paul is well, he's 35 now they're, they're getting the best out of him. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> he's averaging the most, most assists, field goal percentage, free throws, everything since his days uh, in Los Angeles as a, as a Clipper in his prime. I mean, it's, it's crazy. His, his contract that everyone thought was just this enormous, um, oh, what's, what's, what's the phrase? Well, it's, some, it's an albatross. <laughs> I never understood that phrase. <laughs> but it was, it was just this albatross contract. And now look, look, he's, he's doing something crazy, like you said, at the age of 35. It's unreal. Yeah, and I think they're, they're, they're going to just hope that he provides the, just the ability to get this team into contention again. I don't think they're fully relying on him being the guy to really get them back up to, to competing for, to be getting into the, the finals and so on. Because I think they realize that he's going to start slowing down. It's going to have to happen eventually, but they got Devin Booker. He is, he's still developing. The biggest thing this year with him is that he has kind of continued on the same mark as he's, as he's shown over the last couple of years, despite the introduction of Paul, he's just showing that, He's able to play off him and continue to be the, the the lead player on this team. And then you look at Aiton and he's the question mark. He's the guy that he's got to become the kind of 20 and 10 guy and be a top rim protector. Those are, those are the minimum that you have to expect from this guy. They selected him number one in the draft. And if you're going to be the two, two star on a team that want to be competing, you got to be able to step up. I mean, 
I said it before. I think Devin Booker is is like a Kobe, and he needs Aiton to become the Gasol type. <laughs> he has to do it. That that that's 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 kind of what I think the next couple of years are gonna we're gonna see, yeah. and we're gonna see what level Aiton can get up there. And if he can't make it, they're gonna have to look to get another guy into to pair with Devin Booker. And this is kind of the Bulls experience that I, I've we've we've gone through is drafting a big in the lottery is a huge risk because if you're not developing a, uh, a guy like DeAndre Ayton that far into his career, if he's not really showing signs of that, he can be a star. It's going to be really tough to convince any, any other team and his value is going to be so much lower than maybe a guard or a wing that you can, that has more physical tools, switchability, versatility that you can, you know, make an argument that, they can develop into something, but Aiton could definitely go down as a one dimension, ultimately a one dimensional player. And for a guy at his size to not be as effective on defense, like for them to move on from him would be tough. They'd lose a lot of capital draft drafting him that high. And you wish, you wish it was Doncic. <laughs> you, you go back and you look at it and he's, he's going to be that guy, him and Baglier uh, and, and young are always going to be compared to Doncic for uh, where they're drafted, which, you know, hopefully that goes away eventually. That's, it's not fair on them as players, but um, the, the fit is going to be questionable. If, if you're right, if, if that defensive impact isn't there for, for a team that desperately needs him to be. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more broadly is uh, we, we are looking at these teams here as, as potential non non Laker, non Clipper teams to be, making a push. And I'll add another one in from what we had talked about. So the Jazz, the Suns, the Nuggets, and the Blazers. What, are you still feeling like the Suns you're, you're the most confident on? That That's it. Oh, I don't know. I, I can't. I just, as much as you you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with Devin Booker, but I just... I can't I can't be having them there as as my number one feeling. I, I still I still have probably Portland as the number one there out of, out of those out of those four. Right very close with, with Denver after the great uh, time they had in the bubble there last year. But I think Denver have shown in the past that they, they are capable of going on a run in the playoffs and they've got their core of players that have experience in the playoffs, which is yep. kind of a big thing that's going to push them that little bit, little bit on. But again, that's just history. Uh, maybe, maybe this is the the Jazz's year. Obviously, they were unlucky when they went down uh, against Denver in the in the bubble last year. They've had a couple of playoff wins before that, and now maybe this team is finally coming of age, and we're going to get to see the best of them uh, in this in this year's playoffs. Yeah, I I really want to believe in in the Blazers. We'll, we'll go through this one by one. I want to believe in them. I think my problem right now is how they're competing, and and Lillard said it himself at how they're competing against the the better teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're one and eight against the elite teams in the West. They haven't they haven't performed well against the Utahs, the Phoenixes, Clippers, Denver, Lakers, and you know they've done a good job beating mediocre to bad teams. Um, but to take it a step further, it's it's the defense that's tough, and it's the it's the it's the bench that's tough. Pairing Melo and Cancer together that's that's a tough uh, if you're trying to stop anybody on defense, <laughs> and they're they're just a sieve. And 
we'll we'll see how much Nurkic ends up being a a contributor in the in the play in a playoff series. To see him stepping behind the three point line, that's something new. That's something that's been very interesting to to see as a, a weapon of his. I mean, if he can start to stretch the floor even a little bit, I mean that 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 high pick and roll with with Lillard just is even more indefensible. But I, I think for the Blazers, I'm a little bit out on in terms of how they've competed against better teams i've actually i i see the way the mavericks have been playing i see the the mavs pushing up to the the sixth seed um possibly within the next couple of weeks here um i i'm i'm really intrigued though by the nuggets i think the nuggets aren't getting enough shine right now i mean their addition of aaron gordon and the way that michael porter jr has been playing i mean he's been insanely efficient rebounding at a high rate his defense doesn't look half bad and for them to have that alongside Aaron Gordon Jokic we we brushed on it before but can't count them out right now either oh no not at all I think uh, Denver are kind of the big one especially after last year we are I anyway ex- probably expected more out of Jamal Murray but he's still having a very efficient year and he doesn't have to be averaging what he was averaging in the bubble because Jokic has just been playing out of his skin. And the fact that we're finally getting to see something out of uh, out of Michael Porter Jr. I mean, it's been it's been a tough kind of haul for him with injuries and that. I and mean, we never really got to see the consistency that we we expected when he when he was drafted. So it's great to see something out of him. And then of course the addition of Gordon to all of that, it, it's huge for them. And as we talked about before, we're really going to see how important that addition of Gordon is come, come playoff time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just uh, to put the, the numbers on it, Mike Porter Jr. In his very, very young season, he's averaging 19.3 points a game, almost nine rebounds and in the efficiency part. And this was the big thing for me. I wasn't sure, you know, as, as a creative shot maker that he is, I, the way that he's changed his, his diet of shots, taking more, more under control threes, finding his spots within the offense. And I, I think that we all saw that that was going to come. He's shooting right now 68% of, uh, to field goal percentage. I mean, that's that's all you can ask for, for a guy that young. For, I think we were expecting him to really, to kind of push through an inefficient season and to get better. But for him right now to be, I think, just fitting into that perfect role as a as an elite shooter and a rebounder, that's um, invaluable. It shows to me too that he's, He's not that um, ego type of guy. Like he knows that he can be a go-to scorer, but he's also playing his role and he's playing it very well right now. So I, I mean, it's impressive. I, I didn't expect it to happen this soon. I expected more, more maybe after next season. Um, but I, I want to think about the uh, the Western Conference uh, outside of LA too, because I think I think we ultimately know what, what's going to happen. Uh, but again. Another week of more losses for the Lakers. Um, there's there's some silver linings, um, but right now they are just close to being the worst offensive team in basketball, 29th in offensive rating without uh, Anthony Davis, without LeBron James. But they are still a top five defensive team. And again, for, for the team that really is staring a possibility of playing in the play-in tournament right in the face, for them to have a squad that's playing that well defensively, seeing the development of Taylor Horton Tucker um, too, uh, getting a little bit more 
touches offensively. Are you are you feeling like like this this addition once they just get inject back their two superstars? There's there's no questions asked. Is that the feeling? Uh, yeah, I'm still kind of on that on that on that side of things, really. But I think it, it, it again, it just shows the uh, coaching ability of uh, of Coach Vogel and how the team as a whole just buy into into his system. The fact that they they've managed to stay on track as 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 a top defensive team, which is, is huge for them. Obviously, we all maybe we didn't think the def- or the offense was going to crash as much as it has without yeah. LeBron and AD, but we we knew there was going to be a, a pretty uh, substantial drop-off. Obviously, either some of their guys are, are, are not producing what they probably should be or maybe were expected to do. But I think the fact that they are still right up there in terms of defense is, is a good platform for them to reintroduce uh, LeBron and AD into the team. Yeah, and, and if you look at their, their roster, I mean, they don't really have any defensive liabilities you know if you, if you look up and down I mean, there's not they are good at switching they're good at, at playing man defense and if you kind of compare that to so many other teams that have to really account for the players on that they're putting out there if you think about the trailblazers i can list off an entire an entire uh, roster you throw out there that has defensive liabilities and it's gonna be tough for a team like that to to have to game plan when they face the Lakers. Uh, we saw it last time around. Um, but it, it, it's this, it's, it's really deceptive when we haven't seen LeBron and AD on, on the floor that much this season that we're starting to lose the, this, this idea of them as the, uh, the evil empire that's inevitably like this inevitable Lakers championship. We, we've kind of put that in the back of our minds, but the, the way, even though they're not getting wins, the way that they've been so elite defensively totally has me convinced that, you know, once, as soon as LeBron comes back, as soon as AD comes back, man, it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be a slaughter. Yeah. I think, I think if, if you're thinking anything else, you're, you're, you're sad, you're sadly mistaken, but they'll, they'll have a, they'll have that little bit of a worry in their head looking at the way that their, their crosstown uh, rivals, uh, the LA Clippers are playing at the, uh, at the moment, they're really starting to to step up, and they're now only I think two games behind uh, Phoenix uh, in the battle to get into the top two in the West. And it looks like Paul George and Kawhi are really starting to uh, to to come into their own and really starting to to get the top level form that that I expect them. They're starting to show it uh, more consistently. Obviously they've had both kind of, or especially George kind of been in there on the team with, with different things this year. And uh, even in the game last night against Phoenix, we kind of saw how big an impact Rondo is going to be capable of having on, yeah. on this team as well. Well, I'm going to absolutely love, love, this matchup between Chris Paul and Rondo, if that, if they end up uh, facing each other in the playoffs, that's going to be, that's going to make for some awesome spitting in the face, secret little, little slaps at, as they go up the basket. I, there's, there's going to be a minimum of two or three fights during that whole series. But like I said, Rondo, he's so underrated and Kendrick, I don't ever agree with anything Kendrick Perkins says, but I do agree that he's probably like the most underrated point guard in the league. The, and I, 
And, you know, some people will look at his impact with the Lakers last year and, and kind of boil it down to a few, a few games here and there, but his presence on the floor as a defensive minded point who can really direct an entire offense. I mean, that's, that's something that the Clippers are really missing. I mean, a lot, a lot of their, a lot of their struggles when, when they have struggles is because their offense just goes stagnant. I mean, Kawhi Leonard for all his, you know, I mean, let's, let's not like tip tap around it. I mean, he's probably one of the best he's besides Kevin Durant. I think Kawhi Leonard is, the best score in the NBA. You just see how he operates anywhere on the floor. He operates in, in the paint, in the mid range, off the pick and roll, step back three. Like there's nothing offensively that he can't do and with his size and length. Um, but when it comes to playmaking and keeping the whole team involved, I mean, having a guy like Rondo on the floor, that's essential. Essential. They, they haven't had that from um, Patrick Beverly isn't that guy. Paul George has never been that guy. Kawhi Leonard has not really been that guy. So having Rondo, I think really, if we're going to start to see it, is going to fill a huge void that they've had uh, for the past couple of years. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, it's nice of Beverly to, to, to make, um, basically making his comeback really after being out with spells of injury to, to get ejected in, in his first game. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's, that's his nice. job. Your yeah. job. I expect Patrick Beverly to be getting ejected at least like once a month. If, if not, then you're not doing what I – what you're paid to do. <laughs> I just loved it though. I was wa- watching watching this, this him give the elbow, and then he, he still felt the need to hold his hand up for about two minutes. So <laughs> like, yeah, that was me. Yeah, you were the only person anywhere near him. I think they know that it was you. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, what a what a wild week of just some weird fouls, like the the OG Anunoby, like WWE of uh, <laughs> flipping Schroeder onto the ground. And he doesn't, he's not even the one who gets suspended. Fred Fred Van Vliet gets suspended for stepping onto the court. Uh, That's it. Where things things go go on in the NBA this year, I think. uh, I mean, I love it. I I wish, you know, just like the the NFL, uh, all their rules led to the, the XFL getting established with, with like no hitting rules or anything like that. It was brutal to watch, but I would love a brand of basketball where you just have a ton of like five Marcus Morris's against five Patrick Beverly's and just watch them go at it for a whole game. <laughs> but anyways, w- w- without all that, I mean, the, the toughness Patrick Beverly is going to bring, uh, if, if he can, if he can get Chris Paul, get under Chris Paul's skin, Rondo get under Chris Paul's skin, he's, he's not going to survive a, a seven game series against those two guys. <laughs> Yeah, that's that. That is probably true. I think the the Clippers showed that against uh, against Luca and the Mavs last year. They they really they really got under the skin of of the Mavs players, and and ultimately I think that's what won them that that first round series there because obviously the the Mavs as a team were inexperienced and they and they let their 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 anger get the best of them, so they could definitely uh, incorporate that, that 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 style of play against if they go up against Phoenix in the playoffs too. Then add Cousins to the mix now too. Yeah, no, geez, yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> all, the, all the tough guys. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see if he can get into a groove on, on this team. Um, he, he's going to have a role if, if he can play there. I think, you know, Zubas is a, is a fine player. Um, and I think Serge Ibaka is obviously their best option at the five. But um, 
I I just really I'm really curious to know if there's still some magic left there in Cousins. I I think he hasn't had enough of a chance to to get into a consistent role, but I mean he still has the skill. He still has the size. You know, obviously his athleticism has has waned since his his recent string of injuries, but you know that 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 talent, that all star talent, is still I believe it's still there somewhere. Yeah, let's just hope he stays healthy. That's 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 all he has to do. If he can stay healthy, he'll be able to play an important role on this team. And that's it's just the biggest been the biggest problem for him. We it happened in Golden State when he went there. Injuries goes to the Lakers. Injuries. So now he's with the Clippers. Let's just hope he can stay healthy, so we actually get a chance to see if he can still still provide a, an important uh, role on this on on a on a contending team. Yeah, and speaking of injuries, um, really concerning sight to see Oladipo coming off of a, a pretty solid performance. I mean, he had a monster dunk earlier before this uh, two-hander that he went up as a non-contact, and then as he landed immediately, he, he was grabbing his knee, just, and that was that same right knee where he had the quadriceps uh, tear. And very scary moment, I think, for not just the Heat, but Victor Oladipo, who's um, I think he's really still pushing through uh, not playing real basketball for so long and still dealing with the inefficiencies and getting back into the flow of uh, NBA basketball. But you hope he's okay. But I, I think it, it worries me that this is another sign that his career might be cut short. Yeah, I don't know if it's a good sign or a bad sign that we kind of haven't really heard anything today about a scan or any kind of update on on what it, on what the injury might have been. Oh, I can't. I haven't really made my call yet on if that's uh, that's good news or bad news. Yeah. So let's let's hope it's good news because it would be a real shame for Oladipo and for the Heat after just making that move. If he was to be out injured now for 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 the rest of the year, It'd be a real blow to to Miami's hopes and just a blow to the hopes of uh, a fan of basketball because Oladipo has shown in the past that he can be a real, a real bright spark, especially in the playoffs. And it would have been great to, it'd be great to see him get the opportunity again in Miami. And let's hope that this is just a little niggle, maybe just a couple, miss, miss a couple of games and then he'll, then he'll be back, backfire. And that's, that's the hope we ought to have for, for Victor. Yeah. And as a team, I, I mean, how confident do you feel in them competing without Oladipo in the playoffs? I mean, you it, it, it's it's you want to say it's it, it's a big blow, but at the same time, you're kind of looking at it, and it's not the uh, it's very similar to the team that they kind of that they had last year. Yeah, right. So well, with. but then at the same time, they were struggling this year, and then when they got Oladipo, you're kind of like, okay, he's gonna. Bump, bumped them back up to that that good form, good tempo that they had last year. So it's kind of a weird one. You're kind of looking at it and you're like, okay, without Oladipo, it's basically the team that went to the NBA Finals last year. And then you're also kind of like, but with Oladipo, I'd actually give them a shot at, at, at doing that again. It's, it's, it's a bit of a weird one. Yeah, and it's, and it's a tough situation in terms of like who you're giving minutes to because, you know, you wanted to see that linear progression from Hero um, to be more of a reliable scorer and newsflash young player second season a little figured out his efficiency has dropped and he's not been able to get the same shots that he was getting last year um Oladipo I mean he's not been any more efficient than Hero has been so 
it, it it'll actually be interesting if you go into a playoff series where I I think you know if if you're scheming defensively, you're happy to let Oladipo take as many threes as he wants to. He's he's a type of guy that I think Hero might actually be a better offensive option to have a more uh, run more versatile sets because I, I'm not scared of Oladipo taking taking corner threes. I'm not scared of him pulling up. I I am a little scared of Hero if he starts catching fire. Um, but to have you're right. I mean, having Oladipo undoubtedly gives you the defensive edge. But I think in terms of scheme, like they're they should be okay. I think for a team like this, he was an added bonus. It feels like at the end of the the trade deadline, he's a pretty awesome consolation prize to to steal away from the Rockets. But it's going to look very sketchy for Oladipo if this is another tear, and then he goes into free agency. I mean, he's he's not going to command any anything beyond a mid level exception type contract if it's the same concern with that same injury. Yeah, definitely. You kind of wonder what what sort of team are going to be willing to make the offers. Basically, you're kind of you're going to be looking at them petering out to, to a team that are kind of maybe stuck in a bit of a rebuild or or something like that. You kind of you wouldn't be confident as as a franchise about bringing them in if this is is another injury. But of course, we're just speculating and we're hoping that that it's not. But it, it could be a real a real crucial blow this to to Oladipo's future. Yeah. So we just we just transferred over to the to the Eastern Conference. Um, how are your in, how are, the injuries are you know? <laughs> how are your Knicks doing, man? They're 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 starting to sink. They're finding themselves right now in the eighth seed. I think they've dropped what seven of their last eight. Um, there there's some some bright spots though. RJ Barrett hitting six of six from three yeah. the other night. I, I, I gotta give gotta give credit where credit's due because I'm always on on RJ about not being able to to hit the three. But is it real? Do I buy it? I know you're probably buying it. <laughs> I, I'm wanting to buy it. <laughs> That's the thing. I I, I, I want to buy that. But uh, uh, biggest uh, all I say is it, it's definitely the 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 improvement is real. The the development in his game is, is definitely real. But there's still still a long way to go before you can really uh, be convinced by him. And that, that that's what I say on that. But it's uh, it's been a tough week for the Knicks. They've uh, they've uh, suffered some some losses. I mean, on paper, they're games where it's kind of situations where you're still like, I'm just happy that we're involved in these sort of games. <laughs> just happy battles. to be here. <laughs> just happy. Like we only, we're only, lose, we're only losing by two against the, the Celtics. I mean, if you, if we're in those kind of close games and it, was, it wasn't uh, too shabby, we just got Kyrie Irving against the Nets on, uh, on Monday as well. So, I mean, it, it's kind of that situation where you're like, if you're talking before the season and you're going to say we're, we're well in the, uh, these games and we're actually looking like there's a potential we could win these games. You're like, yeah, I love that. But it's kind of getting to now. It's like it's happening all the time and we just keep losing them all. So there's got to, there's going to need to be some sort of change. <laughs> yeah. It's bummer when they were playing the Nets that it wasn't that, that big matchup with, uh, with injured stars. And that's such a typical, typical uh, event this year of, games that are supposed to be exciting and then there's stars out COVID, et cetera. But I just had to, I had to text you the the picture, the, the, the Zion Kyrie and 
and Durant photo <laughs> that, that was all over Twitter a couple of years ago. <laughs> Does that still give you nightmares? Just, 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 just a little bit. <laughs> just, just, just crying in a dark room, you know. <laughs> Pain. <laughs> but Durant in his first game back, seventeen point seven rebounds, five assists, didn't miss a single shot. Just kind of walk in the park, comes off the bench and drops seventeen points real quick, and joins Karis LeVert as the only Nets player with a fifteen five and five game on hundred percent shooting. I mean, this guy's just so effortless. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, that's that's just the thing with K- with KD. It was a similar when he came back uh, at the start of the year after the um, after the uh, what was his injury? The torn um, the torn Achilles. Torn that's Achilles. the one. That was it. Yeah. So and and he came back and he was just like, is this guy was injured? What the hell? He, he literally playing like he's the MVP all-star that he was before the injury and then of course he went down with a hamstring issue and you hope now you know the Nets are going to are going to have him wrapped in cotton wool they're going to make sure that, <laughs> that he is is not over exerting himself in any way shape or form and if he stays healthy I mean just God help everyone <laughs> yeah it's going to be so interesting for the Nets right now because they're entering totally unprecedented territory um I mean, they're completely all in. All the chips are in the middle of the table for the Nets to win a championship. No question about it. They went out and got Harden. Harden, who's been a absolute MVP caliber player for this season, um, now is down with a hamstring injury. And when you break it down for the rest of the season, if you're being moderately hopeful, they might have only 10 games to play together before the playoffs. Maybe 10 games. For this trio to get some more chemistry um i mean chemistry is a huge factor in play a playoff series and not just one i mean to go all the way you're gonna have to do it time and time again um it's gonna be really curious to me if if that if they can really gel in just a matter of 10 games and in one playoff series um can they do that and overcome that and win the championship because that's the expectation here it's not make it to the eastern conference finals i mean their their bar for success is championship or bust and they're going to have 10 games to build a real championship chemistry and that's going to be a crazy feat in and of itself yeah absolutely i mean it it, everyone's kind of trying to cool uh, the chemistry talk really because they're always talking about how it, it seems all seems so natural whenever one of them goes down and another one comes back in and all that. Everyone's saying, oh, look how natural it is. Look at the way Kyrie just lets KD take over. Look at how he just lets Harden take over and he just goes off and does something else, you know. It's so easy and all that. But I think we're really going to we're really gonna see it come playoff time. And I think we're seeing solid minutes as well. That's the more scary thing, right? the way Aldridge just come in and, and slotted in and, and looked uh, – like he's going to have a real positive in that team. Blake Griffin, he's showing that he was just kind of fooling us for the last couple of years just to get to get on, get onto it, get into a <laughs> position like this. He's making dunks, he's making plays, he's, he's stepping up off, uh, and him coming off the bench. I mean, it, it, it's going to be scary. And I think, as I said to you earlier, I won't actually feel bad for, for the Nets unless they're without maybe 
Durant and Harden and maybe Aldrich or Griffin as well. <laughs> maybe I'll feel bad for them then if they're in that. <laughs> you have to situation. lose the whole team before you lose any faith in them. As as long as they still have two of of Kyrie, Durant, and Harden, I think. I mean, that's that the ultimate. Team. That's the ultimate insurance yeah. that they've that they've really bought here is. is having at least two stars and um when you mentioned Aldridge, it made you remember um zach, zach low on uh, the low post <laughs> had a hilarious comparison that uh this is this is like those those uh those rock star reunions that they have like those, those 70s bands that they get together they play the greatest hits and that's what you have on this team you got aldridge here doing some pick and pop low some low post action some classic blazers aldridge and then blake griffin coming out of nowhere to to throw down some dunks it just feels like the the greatest hits of the the 2010s and i love it but i i actually i've, I've actually liked the fit there better than i thought I, I still think nick claxton is going to be the best option for them in the playoffs he's going to have more of a defensive impact he's going to be more of an energy guy um but we'll, we'll see i mean he's definitely lost minutes to both of them but Steve Nash has a lot of, and this is all going to come down to Steve Nash. I think when we, when we come at the end of this, you know, Kyrie Durant and Harden are so such multiple players that they can play multiple roles that I think um, Steve Nash and um, Dan Tony, I mean, they're both going to have to come up with the best way to gel this chemistry together. Just not, not just in terms of how they play together, but how are they going to, to set them up for that success? And he'll he'll definitely take the opposite of it too. If things don't work out, um, he'll definitely be pointing the fingers at Nash because he's got all the talent in the world. He might not have the time to have it gel, but he, he will be the X factor in terms of them actually figuring it out. I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm kind of sick of hearing commentators and, and and media kind of talk of Steve Nash as a great coach. I mean. He might well be a great coach, but he has not proved it yet. You cannot call him a great coach after what's gone on. So hey, he's, he's turned he's turned Bruce Brown, a, a a barely six six three shooting guard, into one of the best rim runners in basketball. You you can't you can't take that away from him. I mean, I I I, I I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Steve Nash and and everything, and I I hope he is successful. But I'm hearing guys talk about him already as a as a as a as a great coach. I'm kind of like. All right, let me just see a little, little, a little bit more out of him with the with the players he has as as at his disposal in, in his first job in in the NBA. Yeah, we, we had a little Durant talk, and uh, Durant, we remember his time. And this is going to be a weird segue, but I just feel like I have to mention it because we haven't talked about this guy once. But as we remember him for his time in Oklahoma City, and how just an electric scorer he was, and as a rookie. Um, he was the only player to drop 25 points at his age when he was, was it, 19 or 20. Alexei Pokashevsky joins him in this, uh, in this respect, scoring 25 points, nine rebounds, seven three-pointers. It's a franchise rookie record. Um, we haven't talked about Poku at all. I, he's, he's been kind of this weird, I think, uh, NBA nerd darling for, for this rookie class. But now he's catching my attention. He's catching more, more attention. Um, I don't know if you have any any Poku thoughts, but I, I I thought for the young guys that we've talked about, he hasn't made our list once. And you you talked about the uh, best twenty five under under twenty five for a near seven footer shooting guard wing type uh, unicorn player. Uh, he's pretty interesting to me. Well, what do you think? 
Yeah, I haven't really seen a lot of them, but for, the, for what I, I'm seeing now, mainly since since Shea went down, we're kind of getting to see that little bit more of him, and then after after the trade deadline and everything, and he's he's looking like a real interesting prospect. I'm looking. I'm I'm gonna it, 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 the biggest comeback of him. It, it's a reason to watch OKC. That's kind of a big thing. A re, they're they're tough to watch without uh, with Shea. And now Shea's gone, and that that this guy's now becoming a reason to to give to be willing to give them a watch, and I think that's that's a lot of credit you you can pay to a guy. I mean, he's he's the type of guy that that makes uh, delusional fans think twenty twenty five conference finals with <laughs> with Pokerzewski. Um, but talk about interesting. I mean, this he he looks like a if if you took Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory and like just stretched him into a seven footer. <laughs> He, he he looks like this this little like science scientist like he doesn't <laughs> look like he belongs on the basketball court and uh he, it's wild to me because i mean his his worst moments look terrible he's, he takes insane three pointers off the dribble like just not even set and then sometimes we'll hit him and it's just like wow he he just hit that he doesn't he doesn't look like the kind of guy that can handle the ball and then he can with with one crossover he's he's two steps away from the rim because he's just so long um and when we saw and this is not to make that comparison at all but you know we, we saw the the raw talent of, of guys like uh of Porzingis guys like Giannis who have like these incredibly um lanky long builds and can do things with the ball and undoubtedly I think the Thunder might have stumbled upon I mean, if he can even just reap a fraction of his physical potential um, offensively, I mean, d- defensively, he could get there, I, I think. But the, the Thunder have really started to, to hit on these, these picks. And I mean, the people that are saying 2025 conference finally, they're, they're going crazy about it, but they, they're going to have even more of this after basically having 20% of the league's draft draft assets for the next five years but to already have a nucleus of budding talent is really really interesting for how they've decided to do this rebuild yeah i think uh, you look at the 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 thunder starting five now these days and you kind of look at it and you're like who the hell are all these guys yeah, like, like, who? teo maladon <laughs> teo maladon the best french point guard in the league but uh, yeah, I think the the way that they're set up, I'm, I'm seeing the this guy and Shay. I think that's something I want to see. I want to see how those they, those two kind of gel together because obviously, at the moment they're kind of the two main guys. But the way they're going at this moment, they're probably looking to move down, give themselves that better chance at uh, at hitting the number one spot in uh, in the lottery uh, heading into this this draft class. And I think at the moment, the way they're going, it looks like they're probably going to be very likely to be in the top five. And uh, the, with the stacked class that we have, that could be a, another huge game changer for, for this franchise. And I mean, they could be entering a rebuild with having already had uh, got some really quality core yeah. players and they could be heading towards a top five lottery picked in a, in an extremely stacked class. And even, even, even guys like, like Moses Brown, I mean, who they signed 
<laughs> they, they signed him off the uh off the garbage heap. He wasn't even drafted. Um signed he was signed in the offseason two way contract. I mean he's 21, but he's seven two. And it, this is an insane comparison, but I mean so at some points he kind of looks like a Rudy Gobert out there. I mean, just another guy that they've they've managed to to find and and develop and even with Billy Donovan out of there and out now in Chicago, they're they have such a good vibrant uh youth movement that they're able to to continuously uh work with i mean they're they're not winning games but they're always competing it, this it's not a dysfunctional young group of players like these kids are always always competing every game um it's only a matter of time before before that gels you know i i think that's the best thing that you can see in a team that's rebuilding is they they look competent they may not have the the consistency to win games in the NBA, but they have the talent that could one day really make some noise. I mean, compare that to teams like you talked about before, like the the Kings and the Suns, where it's just like you have the collection of young guys, you kind of hope, whatever. But the, there's there's some synergy in this young team that I I think definitely projects out in the next three, four years. But maybe some people aren't that crazy when they're talking uh 2025 hopes. Who knows? Hey, we've seen it. We've seen it before with uh, with OKC. They love they love building up from uh, from the draft, and they're they're capable of building quality sides that are capable of challenging uh, at the very top level. So yeah, why why can't they do it again? They did it once. Why why not why not do it again? <laughs> all right. So we we've co- we've covered the focus shifts. I pulled this all the way up back back out west. But um, what what else are we thinking here? What, you're, you're driving the ship. I've got some news here. Oladipo is going to miss the next four games with a knee injury. And he's going to be further evaluated. That's that's yeah. the first that's knee the first injury. Update. Yeah, it says, that's it. Uh, he's just going to, they said he's going to miss the run there on the road, on the road now for the next four games. He's not going uh. to, not going to travel. He's going to be evaluated. So maybe a good sign or else maybe they just haven't found the, uh, the root of the problem yet, which could be a worrying sign. Yeah, that's interesting to me because I mean they they definitely did a scan, and I mean some some teams just keep it tight to the chest. They're not going to say what it is. Maybe he needs more scans, but yeah, that would be weird if like his scan was negative and it's just it's he's just going through soreness or something. But yeah, I mean four games that that's better than something torn. But uh, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't give me a good feeling. No, there's, there's something. There's something in the back of my mind is just saying, "Oh crap!" But yeah. let, let, let's 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 move away from that. That's kind of that's kind of depressing. So we'll move on to something more. Yeah, you. You listened this far, whether you fell asleep, left your phone in the room, or maybe you liked what you heard. So please don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can get our content every week. In the Christmas spirit, we are doing a special giveaway for our day one listeners, and all you have to do is be subscribed to the pod, follow us on Twitter at CoastNBA, and Instagram at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast for a chance to win. Now, back to the pod.
big talking points of uh, the week was off the court, which uh, was ESPN's top 25, under 25 list. What did, Disgusting. What did, what did, you, what did you think of it? <laughs> LaMelo Ball. That was, that was the thing. That was the sin. And I think they, you know what, my theory is they did this for clicks. They knew. They knew that people were going to be so mad about it. And they just threw LaMelo Ball up there. I mean, over, I mean, over Tatum and I, oh my God. I mean, the Tatum, the Tatum stands came out the woodworks. They were <laughs> very upset. They were like, Jason Tatum, the only one who should be over there is over him is maybe Luka Doncic, maybe Luka Doncic. And I mean, it, it, it was, it was a little bit concerning for me. Cause I'm like, I, have you not watched any Zion this year? I mean, Zion and Luca, they got that right. That that's the top two, right? That's in that's inarguable. But Lamelo Lamelo should not have been that high. That that was absurd. Yeah, just the fact that they had him so high, and then the next guy that they had was Anthony Edwards at nineteen. I just thought that was kind of the biggest thing. They had him so high, but then such a big gap between him and and. The number one guy now that Lamelo has gone down, gone down injured. But to have that, that's such a big gap between guys who have played what three, three, four months in the league. I think that, yeah. that was just crazy. And how did how did John Morant go all the way down to fi- Michael Porter Jr. fourteen, John Morant fifteen? Like, are you kidding? That that's that's insane. I mean, Trey Young sixteen, right above. Mikhail Bridges at 17. Like, what are they talking about? I mean, so we're, so we're talking about best future, future potential, right? You're, you're telling me that Jamal Murray has greater future potential than John Morant. Really? That, that's, that's a real take. That's a real <laughs> take. You had Devin Booker at eight. Meanwhile, you have LaMelo Ball at three. You put LaMelo Ball over Jason Tatum. You put him over... Ben Simmons, you put him over Bam, put him over shit. Th- this list is just trash. <laughs> well, we have we, we kind of we kind of I think we, we can agree on that. Uh, the list was a bit uh, a little a little bit crazy. Who's your third then? Who who's your third? Luca Zion, those are the obvious. Who who's your third? You know, you know who I went with. Emmanuel quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> No, no, I went, I went, I went still a little bit, a little bit wild. I, I, I went for Devin Booker. I, I put him in as my, as my three guy. See, well, this is an honest question. So, in terms of be like greatest future potential, so I, we'll, we'll give a little grace here. Maybe, maybe, maybe the people who wrote this see Lamelo Ball at his prime apex, mm. and, and. I, I guess you know I I can make, I can make a solid argument to to think that Lamelo Ball could be more valuable than Devin Booker. I believe that. I I don't because think about Devin Booker. I mean Devin Booker has been an insanely gifted scorer on a bad team for a while. Which I mean that doesn't take away from his scoring ability because I mean I I think it's been pretty well documented and debunked that being a a empty score on a on a bad team that, that's not a real thing I mean they're getting more defensive attention it's harder in in many ways to be a good score but LaMelo Ball 
has proven not only that he can score in this league, I mean, at his age and only get better, I think, but he's the type of guy that goes to a team and changes that whole team from his playmaking, his pace. And it's clear that, I mean, his addition to the Charlotte Hornets, the Charlotte Hornets has made them a lot better. I I think if you throw Devin Booker on the Charlotte Hornets, I don't think he has the same impact just because, just because of the way he plays. And if we're, if we're just talking about, about future potential and if that potential is being translated into team success, I think that's probably the biggest metric. Um, I, I don't say that at their apex of their potential that I would easily take Devin Booker over LaMelo. That, ne- that's a tough one. You've never convinced yourself that, that LaMelo Ball should be the number three on this but, list. But, no, 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 no. <laughs> but I think... Well, <laughs> <laughs> I devil's advocated myself into the position <laughs> I was just against, but oh god, maybe maybe okay, maybe maybe there is a, a good argument. Okay, so with that in mind, am I going to take Lamelo Bolivar, Donovan Mitchell? I don't know. I got I got I got Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> maybe I, this I, list isn't as bad as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got Donovan Mitchell as my number five. I went, I went Lucas, Zion, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, then Donovan Mitchell. Hmm. I, yeah. Hmm. And where does Ben Simmons stand in all this? It's Ben Simmons is such a weird case because he's been so successful at what he's done so soon and been so consistent, but let, let, let me, let me think of Ben Simmons as the, as because so many of these these players are, are constrained by their situation. I think Ben Simmons is definitely in that category, right? I think um, Jalen Brown is kind of in that category. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is definitely in that category. Uh, guys who I think, you know, if they're in a different situation, could be even more prolific than they are right now. Um, I don't know. I, I think imagine Ben Simmons as the primary option on a team full of shooters where I mean, he's his job is to to draw to play elite defense, get into the paint on smaller point guards, and have elite shooters to kick around like that. If he had a system like that, I mean, he he'd look like a he'd look like Magic Johnson. Yeah, I think I I, I had I, I went a bit 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 harsh on on old Ben. I have I had Ben at at the ten spot. Oh. I was. I just. I. I, I have. Right. I have this one. I. I. I how I. I justified it. I thought. Why, why don't you tell? Go through your whole list and see if I hate it more than than ESPN. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Obviously, we know we we got we got my my uh, my one and my two, and I got Devin Booker at three. We got Tatum at four. Donovan Mitchell five. I went with Trey Young as my six. I'm looking at him as a guy, a guard that could potentially be a 30 and 10 guy. And obviously the big question mark is his size and how exposed he's going to be on the defensive end. But look back over the years, look at guys like AI, look at guys like Isaiah Thomas. These are guys that have been built around and have competed at the very highest level. So I think if Trey Young is putting up around 30 points and 10 assists uh, night after night, I think you're you're going to be able to uh, 
to to build a team around around his uh, his defensive frailties. And uh, Ugh, I I kind of shut. I don't I don't know. Whenever people compare and make the AI comparison, I'm like, oh, it's, it, Trey does not be, he doesn't belong in that comparison yet. Uh, I, I I respect that. Not, not yet, but I think he could. Like just I just used him a, a, as an example of a guy who obviously would have had questions around his size and his uh, ability on defense and yeah. was able to overcome it. And obviously, Trey, you're still going to have to overcome those odds. He's going to have to improve on what, he's, uh, what what he produces at the moment. And we'll just see. We'll see. In, in a year or two, maybe we'll be saying there's not a hope in hell he's ever going to be, he should ever be compared to Alan Iverson. But at the moment, the potential may, may still be there. I'm already upset at you that you haven't said Jaw yet. So if Jaw's not next, then you can throw that list in the garbage. <laughs> All right, it's out. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who's, who else do you have over John Morant? My God. Oh, man, you're not, you're not going to want to hear the names that I have to say. <laughs> Lay it on me. Just I do can, it. I can, already, I can already feel it. I went, because it's just a guy that I believe in. I know, I know no, you don't, and probably no one that's listening to us does either. Oh, God. I got, I got Colin Sexton. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I believe in Colin Sexton. And then I got and then I got I got Brandon Ingram, De'Aaron Fox, Ben Simmons, and then then I got Ja Morant. Ja what's your hang up? He's fallen off a lot of people's lists, and I need to know what what about this stretch is surprising and concerning for the long term. I just expected more out of him, but linear progression. Yeah, I th- I was expecting a, a larger kind of jump in the second year after the great rookie year that he had. But while there are big improvements needed, he still has this Memphis team in the hunt for the playoffs, and that's what shows you this guy is still a a guy that really needs to be talked about when you're talking about future stars in this league. And I think just watching him if he gets into the playoffs this year and then seeing what he does next year we could be talking having this conversation next year and I'd have Ja in the top three that's that's the jump I feel that he can make I was just expecting that little bit more from him at this stage but where he is now where he could be uh, maybe a year from now I think it could be a, a drastic jump right right up that leaderboard for Ja yeah I think and I, and I totally get it I get why people want to have the expectations um I mean, the, his, his star is shining so bright last year with how he, how just magical he was at the point with the ball in his hands and, and playmaking and, and the ridiculous plays he would make both, both for himself and for others. But, and I think the big surprise last year was how good of a shooter he was compared to what we were expecting. But a lot of people expecting the linear uh, jumps that these players should make I mean, we got to also remember the fact that these guys didn't have an off season to work on their games. And especially at such young ages, I mean, usually you have a whole off season and Ja could have had the chance to, to work more on his pull up three so that every single pick and roll isn't just, he's not dealing with, um, with defenses prepared for him to drive to them with defenses going under the screens. I mean, he's, He's being given that shot every time. And I think if he can develop a three-point shot off that pick and roll, I mean, that's that unlocks so much for him. And that that's 
I think teams have figured out how to game him because his his offensive game really relies on his athleticism getting to the rim and, and getting to his floater. Um, and they know that, you know, he can take a good set shot, but they're ready for that. So, I mean, the, his, his progression has been slowed by how prolific he was last year and how much teams have gamed for him this year. It's, it's not like he had a solid last year and then he's really coming into it now. Like he had a really, really good year last year, but to have him down that low, both you, shame on you and ESPN. I hope he does prove everybody wrong that, you know, that this is, this is a slump that he's going to come out of. Um, I mean, after an off season of, of really polishing his, his shooting ability, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think I want to, I want to jump up to Colin Sexton. I want to, I want to just, I want to just show why. Uh, all I'm right. I'll, I'll listen. Okay? All right. All right. All right. This is, he's still only 22. He improves yearly. He, every, every year he's come back into the league. He he's kind of shown he's added something to his offensive game and he's in good company at the moment. He's one of only three guys on here averaging 24 points and four assists while shooting 50% from two and above 35 from three. The other two guys, Luka Doncic and Devin Booker. So he's in pretty good company there. He's having still struggling in a similar position to Zion. Not that I'm saying he's on the same level or anything like that, but he's having the, he needs to make that transition to doing all this while having a positive impact on winning. That's, that's the next, that's the next step that he has to make and he has to start doing it this year. I think they're making, they're making improvements, but he's going to have to start really showing it now over the rest of this season and, and, uh, and moving on into next year. Question for for him. I mean, I, I I'll I won't deny. I mean, Colin Sexton has absolutely shocked me at how, I mean, not just a good score he has, but efficient score. And his his playmaking has has gotten better. His his defense is is. I mean, his defensive effort is always is always there. Um, it, do you see him working alongside Darius Garland? I mean, Darius Garland, who had a really impressive showing the other night. Um, they're both. I think they're both really underrated as as young players. So I, I think he he definitely deserves to, to be recognized a little a little bit more. Um, that that pairing is so interesting to me, just because they're so undersized. They're they're really an unconventional backcourt for this day and age. I I like I like it. I like the pairing. Maybe it's. It's kind of hard to say now. I, I can't say that I'm fully behind it, saying it's definitely going to work. But I think the position the Cavs are in at the moment and the ability of these two guys, I think they complement each other quite well uh, in terms of sex and scoring and Garland being more so more so the playmaker of the two. And I think age of the guys, the the, the state of the team at the moment, they're they're worth they're worth betting on at, at this stage. And it's just kind of. What the what type of talent they can get in around them to really kind of give them the best shot, maybe over the next year or two to really prove themselves as a legitimate NBA backcourt. That's that's kind of on on, on the Cavs. They've got those two guys now. They just got to try and really give them the best opportunity to to prove themselves. All right. So let's let's see. Why don't you round out your list? That I, I promised after the jaw thing, I won't I won't get mad at <laughs> at the rest of it. I'll try. Well, you better better try hard. All right, after Ja, 
I got I got Sabonis in in, in the twelve spot. Okay. Then I'm with going for Shea Gilgis Alexander. After that, then Jalen Brown, and then Bam. That Bam rounds out the, the my top fifteen. Interesting. So no no Anthony Edwards. No no no. I went I went quite low with uh, with with Anthony Edwards. Uh, he he's still to come. I got. I, uh, going for the the final ten there. I got uh, DeAndre Ayton at sixteen. But the main Man. thing is is if he makes the jump. I think I could be looking at this next year, and he he might not even be in the top twenty five. He might or he might be uh, just scraping that uh, 24, 25 spot because he, he he still has that jump to make. He's the potential is there, but if he does he doesn't show it over the next kind of year or so, uh, that that could be a uh, he could be uh, dropping off. Then I then I put Lamelo in. I put Lamelo in deep. Oh, that's criminal. <laughs> I'm just saying. Obviously, superstar potential. The numbers he is putting up as a 19 year old. But at the end of the day, he's played four months in this league. I do believe he's this time next year, or maybe we're looking back. I'm looking back. Listen to this podcast two, three years down Delete the line, <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, what have I done? But to the very this very moment, I don't think it's fair on a lot of the other guys to have him so high up in the list, and that's why I've got him, got him where where I have him. Uh, below him, I got got John Collins. I I, I believe he showed his ability to to be a potential all star this year. Basically, he's he's out, he's out there fighting to. To show he's good enough to be uh, a leader of a team, or at least at the very least, a, a two guy on a team that are, are challenging for the playoffs, and he's playing for a contract, and he's really showed his best self. So that's why I got him, got him that little bit higher than the old ESPN boys. And wow. in nineteen, I went for a guy that wasn't on the list at all. I put in Tyler Hero in there. He's really fallen low on uh, if, if you're right, there's so much ebb and flow. And what I one thing I wanted to comment when you when you talked about uh, Lamelo is you're right. So in four months, you, you what stats are you going to put up? And if you went back and you took stats from Michael Carter Williams rookie year, and maybe that's not indicative of, of what a whole career will look like. But Tyler Hero, I mean, same thing, he had an insanely good rookie year really surprising impressive run in the playoffs um and now looks more figured out it looks and, and this is kind of really a classic uh sophomore slump i mean i think a lot of a lot of players in their second year they had their game figured out they've been scouted they're actually on the scouting report now they none of these guys had time to change their games enough and it add more weapons to their arsenal um, to really evade the, evade the uh, defensive planning that other teams might have for them. So not, not surprised to see him left off. And I think, I don't know. I, I think my question for Tyler hero though, is what, what's, what, what do you project him as? What, what, in, in terms of his, his physical abilities, um, and you know he's he's kind of plays in between the one and the two. Like what 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 player is he on a championship team? I, I, is he I, a Devin I, Booker type guy? 
I, I think so. I have him as a potentially elite scorer, but I would I would not be confident in him being the one the one star on a team. I, I would I would definitely say. Oh that. yeah, undoubtedly. I think we're both there. Is I I don't see him as a one A. I don't see him as a two. I honestly, I think from from what I've seen from him, I feel I feel more confident in him as being a a bench like a sixth man in on a championship team. I'm saying like I think he'd be a fine he'd be a fine starter on a on a good competitive team, but I think on a championship team at, at the apex of, of his ability, like him being a a solid secondary playmaker and an elite scorer off the bench where you don't have to worry about him as, as a defensive liability. He doesn't have to, to worry about being um, locked in defensively. That's, I think that's somewhere where his, his potential is maximized. Um, but meanwhile, like I, I think and <laughs> Anthony Edwards, is he coming up next? Is, is he on this list? Is, is where, where is he at? He is on the list, but there's still, there's still a couple of, couple of guys, <laughs> a couple of guys ahead of him. So I got I got Michael Porter Jr. up next on the list. Twentieth. Yeah. Then I've Crazy. gone for Mikael Bridges, and I went Jamal Murray after that. That was me being real harsh on Jamal Murray, but main reason I have him so low is because I expected so much more from him after the bubble. I really expected him to kick on. And, and show his best self throughout this season. And he just hasn't stepped up for me enough. But as I said with, with a couple of the other guys, if he come playoff time, he, he goes back to being that guy he was last year in the bubble. And he could be shooting right back up this list uh, again if we, if, when, we're, when we're looking back. But for now, I have Jamal Murray as, a, as a, the tw- my 22nd uh, Top twenty-five under under uh, under twenty-five, and then comes Anthony Edwards. Really? Mm. Well, so why is he so low here for you? Besides the the sample size, maybe. I just just haven't really seen enough of him to kind of. I know we're kind of basing this off our future potential, but he's getting better as as time's going on, and like his potential on both ends is huge. I mean, this guy is seriously uh, athletic and he has all the tools to be uh, a great offensive player. And if he just kind of puts in a little bit of work, he could be a more than adequate defender as well. And if he really utilizes all his athletic potential, he will be a superstar in this league. I think just, I just think I haven't seen enough of him. That was kind of the main reason that I had him so low. I think it's kind of, it's kind of like you're you're it's such a small sample size that we've seen. It's kind of tough to really just decide that he's going to be the next the next great hope out of the out of the rookie class. I think the interesting thing about this list, though, like when when you look at all these guys and, and you look at the top five, I mean, I this is such a change in tune. Um, when I, when I saw Edwards and I and I and I saw you know kind of just lackluster effort on the defensive end of the floor and kind of some boneheaded plays here and there, but things to be expected of, of rookies, but it, it felt, I, I felt it could be characteristic of his overall engagement on the floor and his overall basketball IQ. 
but to to see how he's quickly evolved it's like he's turning a switch i i see potential on him and being the top five on this on this list i mean with his his athleticism the way that he's been just going straight at the rim just completely relentless and for him to do to be attacking the rim at this rate at such a young age just fearlessly it, it's i mean it reminds me of of rookie seasons of of guys like of of like your zions and your lebrons your lucas they're not afraid to play their offensive game how they want um and the defensive end that's a big question mark yeah that's that's the toughest part about projecting talent is how are they going to be defensively because you know you, you can always make a, a pretty good argument that okay this this guy can learn how to shoot but not a lot of players go from being a lot of players go from being bad shooters to solid or maybe even good shooters. There's not a lot of players who are naturally really bad defensively that become really good defensively. And that's my biggest question with him. And I will, I would agree with him being outside of the top 10, top 15, if the defense never comes along. Cause I, I, I think that that's a major, especially at his position, that's a major impact that he needs to have. But I mean, man, just as a scorer, He's been electric. Yeah. All right. Let me let, let me let me finish it off here. Let me pop. Let me yeah. polish things. Up. <laughs> uh, number twenty-four. I'll go for another guy that wasn't on the list, and I think I it would have been wrong if I didn't put him on my list. RJ Barrett. Of course, I had to put him <laughs> on there. Come on, I had to get him in, and then to close out the list, I've gone with Kobe White. No, no. <laughs> Gone Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton. Well, I'll tell you, my, my list is Kobe White first, Patrick Williams second. <laughs> um, <laughs> to see none of my bulls on there was a little upsetting, but I, I, I get it. We're going to fly under the radar. Pat, Patrick Williams is going to fly under the radar until people realize he's the next coming of Kawhi Leonard. There you go. Kobe White's the next coming to Lou Williams. <laughs> we're, we're, we're playing the Hawks tonight. I, I'll, if you've tuned in, I promise you, you'll see the paw. You, you've heard his nickname, right? That's that's the that's a new nickname taken over the league. The paw. The paw. Not the not to be confused <laughs> with the claw. The paw. Okay. The paw. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's see if that. Let's see if that 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 sticks. <laughs> it it is. It, Look it up on Twitter. Soft, it's a thing. It? So, no, the paw. The paw. Yeah. You have to say it like that. It just doesn't sound as dangerous as the claw, you know. <laughs> it's it's with more finesse, um, and then and then you can convert it into you know with he's playing defense on the floor. It's it's the Paw Patrol, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah that, that doesn't sound really dangerous at all. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, enough. I've I've heard enough disrespect of of some of the league's best uh, young talent from both you and ESPN. I think that's a good place to close. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, maybe uh, Patrick Williams shoots up your list after uh, tonight. <laughs> hey, yeah, I'd love. I, I, you know, you know, as much as I'm a, uh, I'm a Knicks fan, I, I want to see the Bulls back up there and contending. So I'm happy for Patrick Williams to, to step up and, and show his show his best self uh, over the over the rest of the season and beyond to get get the Bulls back in position to contend. Yeah, well, we've uh, we've went on long enough here. We've, we've canvas league we've officially went coast to coast and then back across the coast and then back again so this this has been a a fun one um but ronan i I think we're i think we're just up on time 
And as always, man, this has been fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always love discussing uh, individual players and their, and their future potential with you. And uh, hopefully, hopefully I turn out to be right on at least uh, one or two of these. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need I'm going to need you to actually take a picture of this list and send it to me because I'm very looking forward to sending this to you very <laughs> soon and, and telling you just how wrong this list <laughs> is. Oh, well, well, well I'll, I'll look forward to that time anyway. <laughs> All right, man. Take care, everyone. Thanks for uh, riding with us on another Friday afternoon. Um, always excited to bring you new content. Next week, we'll uh, hopefully have some more uh, more playoff impending news. Hopefully, Victor Oladipo, we, we get some more news on that. And man, I'm just hoping uh, that that's some positive, positive news. Nothing too scary there. But at any rate, thanks for joining us, everybody. You have a great weekend. Take care. Peace. joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment